Hello everyone, I'm Lana. I'm Suze. Welcome to Black and Brown Rice. We created this podcast to share the world how we see it through our black and brown lens. We will be covering everything from civic engagement, news, and the culture as we know it, see it, and consume it. Bringing you truth, perspective, and a little laughter too. We hope you join us for Mealtime Weekly. It's going to be delicious. Let's get into this episode because we're no time. We're we're done. I I am I am calling it now. We are done with this convo. I don't know where you thought it was going to go, but we're gonna deviate slightly and get into our episode. What's happening, guys? Let's get into what's cooking. All right. Um, up this week, I wanted to give some updates on, or really some comparisons on what's going down in the city civil settlement world. Um, what y'all probably know is that George Floyd's family received their uh, settlement for uh, George's death. But I just kind of wanted to touch on a couple of other settlements that like we've had in the most recent future. Um, Brianna Taylor's family was given a $12 million settlement by the city of Louisville. Um, but part of the agreement was that the city did not have to acknowledge wrongdoing. Um, and then they promised to institute changes to prevent future deaths by officers. But um, I mean, we're in 2021 and nobody has still bothered to put a vote up for Attica Scott's Brianna's Law, which was like actually the first action of trying to go in that direction. Um, even lower, Eric Garner's fam only got $5.9 million from New York City. Um, and the state ended up not banning chokeholds, the very way that Eric Garner uh, was taken from us from this world. They didn't ban those chokeholds until 2020. So like just last year. And honestly, it was on the heels of George Floyd. Um, all this to say that uh, George Floyd's family settlement is actually breaking uh, a record. Lana, how much did they get? Uh, 27 mil. But I want to go back really quick to Brianna Taylor. You know, it's interesting, but not surprising. You are stating, you know, we'll pay you 12 mil, but we, um, you know, not want to admit that it was wrongdoing. And to me, that in itself is an admittance of wrongdoing. The fact that you're paying anybody off. This is not an NDA. This wasn't done outside of court. You are paying somebody in a civil suit with the contingency that they uh, acknowledge or understand that it, you know, it's not wrongdoing. And I just think, that whole thing is crazy to me. It doesn't quite make sense. And I don't think it ever will. I get it. I see it's a thing, but it still doesn't make sense to me. Oh, we're going to, this money we're paying out because we know we were wrong, but it's not wrong. It's not wrongdoing. We're going to do law. We're going to try to pass laws um, around this, but you know, it wasn't wrong. We were able to, able to compensate the drywall in the place where she lived, but we won't, you know, talk about the person that was actually killed in a, in a wrongful death. But I digress. Fast and forwarding then- to George Floyd. Uh, yes, received $27 million settlement from Minneapolis. Now, mm-hmm. when we talk about this money, Suze, I want us to go back and think, where does this money come from? You want to tell me? You want to tell, tell the peeps? Where does this money that we used to pay out civil suits come from? Taxpayers. Say that one more time for the people in the back. Oh, right. I'm sorry. It comes from you and me because it's taxpaying money. Like, so when will we weigh the amount we used to pay for situations like this versus correcting the behavior? At what point do we think 
let's try to make this make sense. In this televised world where every Black person will forever have a camera because that's the only thing to help us prove our case um, or help us to, like, help us prove our case because for some reason in these cases, we are the ones that have to present the burden of proof. We're paying from taxpayers these suits that could be avoided. And you're making the family of the victim be complicit in your lack of accountability. And that is some twisted, dark BS, especially for the Brianna case, but like for all of these settlements, you're telling them, look, I'm going to give you the money and you can either take it or leave it. But if you take it, you're going to acknowledge that we've done our part, air quote, air quote, or you're going to take it and acknowledge that we are no longer liable. It's very unfortunate because, you know, no amount of money is going to bring that person back. They still remain dead. And when you look at going back to what you were alluding to earlier with George Floyd, it being one of the most watched, widely distributed incidents in American history, recent American history. Crump, the lawyer, said this. The size signifies that a Black person's death at the hands of police will no longer be written off as trivial unimportant or unworthy of consequences. I mean, these civil suits have been a thing. I don't, I get he's looking at the the amount of money shelled out for this, but I think also the reason that this amount was shelled off is because of how televised it was. It was so widely recorded. We watched a man get snuffed out for eight minutes and 47 seconds. And so my question to you is... Do you think it would have been different had it not have been widely recorded? Would the amount have been the same if we didn't see it on video? Is it enough? It seems like the large number in the settlement is definitely motivated by the reality that we essentially got to see from start to finish how this went down for George Floyd. Like I think about the Eric Garner video and like that is also pretty much a start to finish um, but G- George George Floyd's holds holds something a skosh more vicious. Like there, th- with Eric Garner's case specifically, I know there was a lot of oh he was a big guy and and oh but the person who had, was doing the chokehold was so much smaller than him and and it and it took multiple people to get him on the ground yada yada yada. But like there was Eric ambiguity Joe, there. There was enough yeah, enough there to enough. make it murky. Still wrong on yeah, every yeah. level. There were enough nuances to take advantage of and and then the public did but with george you know derek chauvin put his knee on george's neck and at the behest of pleas and and calling for his mother and from witnesses begging derek chauvin to stop and he still didn't not to mention his brothers in arms complicit was just gonna say it in this yeah, if it if it hadn't have been widely recorded, if, if and and widely uh, wildly raw, unedited footage, that is key. That is key because I'm sick and tired of the people in the comments out here like, well, we don't know the whole story. What was happening before the person turned on the video? I think we're lucky that the videos that we got for this, they turned record when they did and turned on and kept the camera rolling. And like, it's 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 a dark place where we have to be able to record the own footage of our own people's deaths in order to get an iota of justice. Um, But I don't think the 27 million is justice. It's just 
a write-off. Yeah, like just it is what it is. So uh, it's obviously not enough because if it was, this case would be an open and shut case and it is not. Um, let me just give a couple of updates on where we're at on this trial. Please let me know. Um, so Chauvin's charges are officially second degree manslaughter, second degree murder, and third degree murder for the death of George Floyd. The third degree murder charge was just recently added in by prosecutors, mm. and that was allowed by uh, Judge Peter Cahill. Plot twist. I did not know this, but within days, according to New York Times, within days of Mr. Chauvin's arrest, he agreed to plead guilty to third degree murder. Wow. The New York Times... Uh, also followed up on that report and found that William Barr, our then U.S. Attorney General, stepped in to reject the agreement, which had also included an assurance that Mr. Chauvin would not face federal civil rights charges. I have no idea why Barr felt the need to get involved on this one. Chauvin's I think it's to protect um, the system. Which system? Of white supremacy. <laughs> say it again, say it again. Um, so Chauvin's lawyers, I think, are concerned about having a hard time in building like an impartial jury, whatever that means for them. But uh, I, I, I think Chauvin's, Chauvin's lawyers are getting nervous. And you know what? I like to see it. They were asking the jurors um, during selection. They needed to know what the jurors um, affinity was to the messages of like Blue Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter. And like you can literally hear the black jurors talk like try to, I'm not gonna say that they were purposely trying to quell how they felt about Black Lives Matter, but they were very purposefully being like, that is just a statement that is true. Black Lives Matter. And I love it. You're not gonna catch me. No, absolutely not. So I think I think we have a long way ahead. And to circle back, this the settlement will never be enough because we haven't even started the trial and look at all the ridiculous hoops that we're all jumping through to simply get started. This trial concerned me from the on onset though, for several reasons, because I knew even though there was video, blatant video of a man killing someone for no true threat to his person, there was still gonna be this mess. I think about cases in the past, Philando Castile is one, that comes to mind. This man was driving with his significant other and young child in the back. And he gets pulled over by this, this police officer. And he tells the police officer, hey, just to let you know, I do have a weapon in this car and I, I do have a permit for it. You know how this ends. I don't even have to say it, right? He dies, he gets shot because the guy felt threatened for his life. And what one would think should be clear cut. You can see where, you can see on the video where he states, you know, I, I do have a weapon. I still have not seen any video that shows that Philando was ever reaching for his weapon, um, that he was truly a threat. I did see the child trying to console the mother. I did see a child who will be traumatized for the rest of their life, only for that to result in this guy getting off because he was able to argue that he feared for his life, get off and go start a GoFundMe to start a new life. I don't even know where he is now, but I can tell you, you know, he's alive. Philando is dead. He's alive and this child will forever be traumatized. I think for anyone, including myself, who gets lost in the gaze of this one's got, we got everything we need. 
this one's going to be an open and shut case. I think we all need to remind ourselves of Philando Castile. Every, every time. time. Every single time. Every time. Every time. I, it, there's no other, there's no two ways about it. I will forever wait to hear the verdict before I ever assume anything. So in these cases, like I can hear the judge asking some of these jurors, um, you know, can you hold a place of innocent until proven guilty? And like, what what does that mean in regards to watching someone kill somebody else? Like, what 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 are you asking people to hold? Are you asking people to hold room for like reasonable doubt? Are you Correct. asking like are you asking people to like be open to listen to all of the evidence and then make their decision? If that's the case, fine. But like, are you really going to sit there and actually think that all of those jurors waiting for this trial have an intention of finding Derek Chauvin not guilty. Like for me, the only way that Derek Chauvin comes out of this not guilty is if there is something mishandled or uh, misused during the proceedings. That doesn't sound like a fair trial to me. The only way he's going to get not guilty is either that, well, the prosecution could have a major fuck up, but it just sounds like the only way that he's going to get a not guilty is if his lawyers can find a loophole and play with, with like a crooked hand. Like, so, so what, what are you asking of these people? To still remain objective in the face of a horrific event in which a person in power abused their power by a system built to protect and serve them. Mm. My question is, think Derek regrets what he did? Think he cares? No. Yeah. No. I express I, I share the same sentiment. Like it's super weird that he wanted to plead guilty to third degree murder in the beginning. I would like to know what that was all about. Barr took that from us, so I would like to know what the third I would love if he took it away from him pleading because he wanted to plead him up. Not down, but you know what I mean? But the, that third degree sounded like a cop-out. I would be curious to know what sentence is tied to that. And if his lawyer probably was like, look, this doesn't look good. I saw this video. You need to go ahead and just take the third degree. Since we're on to the next, let's talk about The Bachelor. Now, Suze, I know I got you up on Married at First Sight and you're you're taking a a walk on the wild side of television, dating and marrying. Yes. The Bachelor. Now, this is not a show that I watch habitually, nor is it one that I tuned into this this season. But The Bachelor had its very first Black Bachelor, Matt James, Um, this season. But there was news that broke this week around the person that he chose. So 
though James and the woman he selected left the season as a couple and remained together for a period of time after the cameras stopped rolling, their relationship came to an end after photos of her attending an antebellum plantation-themed party in 2018 surfaced on social media. She did apologize and said last month that she's learning and will continue to learn how to be anti-racist. And during an interview, it was confirmed that these were true. As Rachel acknowledged in her apology, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. Um, and he, Matt James, has chosen to take a step back and allow her to, be, to put in that work. Uh, so he's looking forward to seeing that. And this is from a new source, of course. Definitely not um, anything that I groundbreakingly wrote. So I want to make sure I state that. But Suze, you know... My question to you is this, interracial dating, you have personal experience. In fact, you're currently in a relationship um, now with someone outside of your race. My question to you is, from your perspective, is race a topic that should be discussed ahead of getting into a committed relationship? If so, why? I mean... From your perspective. Yeah, it's... It's wild because I I don't I don't think it was at the forefront of my mind when Alex and I got together, but but it was in that like it's it's a part of me and my values and my political uh, affiliation. So I definitely like while I didn't while we didn't go hard like outright, um, one of our like first official dates was a protest. So I think I set the bar a little high. And um, and I also, I think I got lucky. Like my, my partner, we were friends and had worked for many summers together. So I, I think he was already like aware of the kind of person that I was gonna be, especially in component to race. Um, but it's definitely something that you've got to talk about just like, ideology and and whether or not you're pro-choice or pro-life and whether or not you are religious or not religious and i i roll my eyes at at relationships like the one that we're seeing on the bachelor where i'm like you didn't think to ask that from the beginning because exactly what are you gonna do wait are you gonna wait until y'all have said the l word and you've met everybody's parents because let me tell you i have definitely been down that road and it's not cute two Mm. years in and like i made concessions for why you might be a registered republican and now i'm over here like oh shit like i'm definitely attached to a racist and a homophobic person great 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 i've dated a xenophobic knowing a little too late i mean that shit is not cute to break and it's not cute to be attached to. So ask your people up front in the same way that you'd ask them if they have STDs. We should know everything. That's how I feel about that. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. There are certain things that are deal breakers for me. Political leanings, I, I could probably say is one to a degree. There are certain things that are fundamental to me in terms of how you view things because it would also go into how our family is. I don't want a divided house per se. My kids can come to their own conclusions, but I would like to raise them under a certain type of understanding. So, you know, you mentioned stuff like pro-choice pro- versus pro-life. Um, what is your, are you conservative, liberal, moderate? What does that, what does that look like? 
I think those things are important. Religion, ideology, what is your take on social issues? That is an important thing to me. So stating that, oh, it's neither here nor there, or I don't really see anything in it would be slightly problematic. And I think some of those things are even more so when you're, when you are partnering with someone who isn't, who is outside of your race as well. I think it's very important because there are so many things already working against you Mm -hmm. that you want to make sure you're aligned or on the same page or have some form of understanding um, as you get into this. Because relationships are hard people, hard regardless. You're joining, like you are all together. It's two lives, not necessarily like a marriage, but very close to it in which you have to consider the other person. So I think it's very important that those discussions are had, especially then, in, in interracial relationships around yeah. around race. Like you have to, you need to understand the other person. And you know, I think I think because like my my partner is Brazilian, but is is white, right? Like race white, ethnicity Brazilian. He's very aware that like he's got a level of privilege that you know I'm never going to have, and that like other other Brazilians are never going to have. Um, but like we had to do some work about voting, voting in local elections, staying involved, uh, what action items are comfortable for him versus action items that are comfortable for me, but also like listening and absorbing what I'm telling you is my struggle and, uh, and being mm-hmm. able to being able to understand that and relay it back to me. Perfect example. Um, I burst into tears last weekend. Uh, I was fine. I got up early. I studied. And then I started thinking about how it's been a year since Brianna died. And he woke up and asked me how I was doing. And I burst into tears. And I I couldn't understand why I was so upset and that I didn't understand why I was taking it so personally that she's dead and that we can't progress in seeking justice for her. And he looked at me and he was like, why wouldn't you be angry? I, I wouldn't. And it is personal. And he's like, it's absolutely personal. You have, he's like, you have every right to feel the way that you feel about it. And so that shit takes work. That shit takes work. And it's it's different. I think if you've got a white racial component to it, I think it means that you might have to do some extra work. I know my mom did. No matter how woke my dad was. <laughs> yeah, so that's, and that's what I have to say on that. But further in this, had your significant other had a questionable, questionable pictures or uh, status right, right. reemerge, expressing views that question his lack of understanding of your racial identity, what right. say you there? And it might have been a couple years ago. Yeah. What, I mean, what's so reform like, or not? Nah? Like, I'm thinking about James and Rachel here, right? Like, she went to that antebellum plantation theme party or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, she did. (laughs) And, like, you know, I've seen the picture. She's in, like, a giant, like, southern ball gown. But, like, I heard there were Confederate flags and, like, you know, I I don't think I'd want to be aligned to that. If if I – I would be super confused if my partner had a picture with a Confederate flag. But, like, it would be a huge problem. Like, we would have to – we would have to really sit down and deconstruct that because I don't – I, I, I just, as, especially after like the four years that we've been together and you've heard me talk shit about it, how have you not brought it up? I would hope that like, if you've got it somewhere hanging in the closet, like, ooh, is this brown face? Oh, is this black face? Go ahead and tell me, tell me now. You're not gonna like the outcome, like, but 
tell me now, you know? I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that would look like. I would need to know every uncomfortable and painstaking detail. I would need to know the action plan of like what you think you're going to do to reform. And even then, like, I can't guarantee that I would, I would want to be a part of any of that nonsense. Right. Cause it's like, why would, why would I want to do the work? Why would you keep it from me? Why couldn't you just tell me up front? Like, Hey, I really fucked up and I need to tell you about this. Cause I'm not saying that I'm perfect either. Right. Although I for damn sure never did anything as remotely hellacious as that. But yeah, God, I hope I don't find a picture. I might need to ask his mother. <laughs> I rebuke that from your life. It was just the question. I would just be curious. I would need to work through it. It depends on the gravity and the content. And then whether I believe the time frame in which change could have truly been affected. Uh, let's talk about somebody who was not reformed and her name is Sharon Osbourne. Oh my gosh. Miss me with the little British lady. I could rather, I would rather not. What has she uttered? <laughs> so Megan and Harry had an interview with Oprah. We all saw Yeah, her. I remember that. It was, it was lovely to hear Megan and Harry's truth. Proud of them. Pierce Morgan tried to reign all over that parade. Uh, like Which we did not parade. care. I want to, I want to be on record and say, I did not care what Pierce Morgan care. did. Nobody he left. Cares. I don't care. It has Nobody nothing cares. to do with the tea in China. Not like, a darn thing. He tried to say that like he didn't believe her. And honestly, the rest of us and his co-hosts weren't having it. And he stormed off set after his friend called him out for being like, you're just salty because Megan ghosted you and didn't want to be friends with you anymore. Sharon, then. Sharon is friends with Pierce and took to Twitter to support her friend. And then when her co-host on her Ooh. show, The Talk, tried to Tea. talk to her about it. Tell me more. It did not go exactly as planned. Mm. So, was she defensive? Pierce. Was she? Was this lady <laughs> exhibiting signs of defensiveness, misunderstanding, victimhood? Can you please tell me? Did that happen? Is that what she said? Did she sound like that, Suze? I'm just curious. I, I might have a profile. You know what? We should build that profile for everybody right now. I am going to bring up the video. So I really would like to know, because I've been knowing you for years Go since on. I've been here, and I've never seen anything come out of you other than if I don't know, I'm willing to learn. If it comes off a certain way, I stand corrected. Right. That's the only thing I've seen. Yeah. So what would you say to people who may feel that you, while you're standing by your friend, it appears that you give validation or safe haven to something that he has uttered that is racist? Even, even if you don't agree, am I, say, am I saying it he, right? Okay, am I saying he, I don't know what he's uttered that's racist. I'm not... I'm not trying to slide out of this one. Right. I don't know. Tell me, what has he uttered that's racist? I would just like to ask, if this is your longtime friend of who knows how many years, why do you need to ask Cheryl Underwood, your co-host, what she thinks Pierce has said that is racist? Shouldn't you already know? No, because you're clueless and you, not once did you ever stop to truly understand that person who's next to you that is different from you. I do want to note how Cheryl tried to ease into this question. She purposely made a point to stop her from getting defensive on the question by stating, 
hey, you know, we've been friends for a while. I know you. You've not ever said blah, blah, blah. Right there trying to, you know, prove the point of, hey, I'm coming from a place of love, but trying to have an understanding of your thought process on why you would support or not see someone who is in direct conflict with everything that is me. And I thought that was very interesting because she still managed, like a magician, like Houdini, to flip a script. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're about to see right here when we hear it. I'm going to skip ahead here. I I feel even... Mm like uh, I'm about to be put in the electric chair because I have a friend who many people think is a racist, so that makes me a racist. And for me, at 68 years of age, to have to turn around and say, I ain't racist. What's it got to do with me? Okay, how can I be racist about anybody? How can I be racist about anybody or anything in my life? How can I? Well, 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 I well what? We'll be right well, back. What? We have more That's very rude. But like, what we don't get to see is that Sharon lays in to Cheryl on the break. So by the time they come back, Sharon's on like 100. And 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we should stop this f- in person. I will ask you again, Cheryl. I've been asking you during the break. I'm asking you again. And don't try and cry, because if anyone should be crying, it should be me. This is the situation. Pause. This right here has me totally twisted. This woman has the audacity to sit on this chair and tell this woman, don't you dare cry. Who are you to tell anybody not to do anything? Trying to be preemptive much? I'm confused. I can cry if I want to. Sharon is also the only person on this stage becoming emotional. Eyes watering, she has to get a tissue. She's the only one. So, I mean, if we want to project, at least acknowledge that you're projecting. Well, um, I also like to say a hit dog will holler, but and, you know and at the this rest. point, at this point, we've gone like full victim mode. So we went from like, hey, can you see how supporting your friend, who, by the way, went on national television and said, yeah, I don't believe Megan when she says she has suicidal thoughts. So you you put your stamp of approval on that. And then when everybody else came to tell you, hey, your friend's actually pretty racist. So when you support him, you're like validating the bullshit that he says. You've decided that that means you're in the electric chair now. But Susan, okay. I have a question. Hold on. Before we, before we go forward, you made the statement, um, the source that you quoted where Pierce is saying, you know, he didn't believe Meghan Markle and her mm-hmm. statement. Can you explain to the peeps how that could be interpreted as racist when on its surface, it just sounds like it's a, a statement. You just, dis- you don't, dis- you don't agree or you don't believe what that person said. Okay. I don't believe it. Why is it racist? So for peers, mm-hmm. it is, it is beyond, and it's not even about denying her mental health. Right. It's, it's literally denying Megan's existence as a black woman in the institution that was the British monarchy. And his co-host on the show even said that like, can you see how, how nationally denying her claim and, and continuing to perpetuate that she's lying about it is an erasure of her existence 
as a black woman. And Pierce was like, I'm not a racist. So homeboy doesn't know what innate bias is. And I ain't fixing to teach him. And I'm not surprised. You know who else doesn't know what innate bias is? Her name is Sharon Osborne. Over and here playing the wait, victim. You have heard him say, educate me. Tell me when you have heard him say racist things. Ed- educate me. Tell me. Lana, what 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 did Sharon just ask of of Cheryl? Sharon asked Cheryl to tell her what has Pierce done that is racist. Here's why that question is a problem for me. I am not your interpreter. I don't work 24-7. I am not your back pocket translation dictionary. You don't get to tell, you don't get to ask that question. What you need to do is first understand the definition of race. And what she's looking for in that is a pointed statement. Oh, Pierce called Megan this. She's not looking at it on a deeper level and how his ideals have informed his opinion of a woman because of who and what she is. And that's the problem, Sharon. I don't care if he's been your friend for 68 years. That means nothing. You can absolutely be friends with someone who doesn't realize their biases or the fact that they're racist, especially if you identify or share something with them that would cause you for for that to ever never come up. So to sit there and play victim, like she's the one being attacked when in fact she's being questioned and asking to explain, you know, how is it that you're able to maintain connected to this person considering his ideals and what appears to be his racist views, right? How are you able to do that? How did that turn into, tell me what he said that's been racist. Then, okay, pause, time out. You said you his best friend, right? Where you been? Like, so, so either you're ignorant and have blinders on or you don't think it's an issue. And then I think then you need to sit and try to figure that out. The exact words of racism, it's the implication and the reaction to it, to not want to address that because she is a black woman and to try to dismiss it or to make it seem less than what it is, that's what makes it racist. But, but right now, I'm talking to a woman who I believe is my friend. And I don't want anybody here to to watch this and say that we're attacking you for being racist. And and, and that and, and for that, if I articulated I think it's anything, too late. I think that okay, seeds already sowed. But that that is why I'm saying for <laughs> me. I'm saying for me. For me. I thought I was asking a question about the perception for other people. That's why I prefaced it with, I've never heard you utter anything oh, racist, but I, have, but I have felt that Pierce was racist in his stance against Meghan Markle. And the last time he was on this show, I said as much. Yeah, we can stop here. I'm good. Just foolish, honestly. This is this you know what's pretty funny? much a non-conversation. There was, there was no point. You know what is hilarious to me is that if Pierce had just sat there and listened to his co-hosts mention that Megan, as a Black woman, had a struggle while living within the confinements of the British monarchy, and that led to suicidal thoughts, if he had just said, I see where you're coming from, 
that doesn't take away from him being a royalist or an asshole. And it wouldn't take away from whatever, his spotlight that he has on the show. But he felt the innate need and desire to let us all know that we were wrong and that it has nothing to do with Megan being black. Well, then that's everything to do with you being a racist. Bye, Pierce. Um, I was also just looking. So he has seen what's happened on the talk and he's demanding an apology for, you're not ready, for the disgraceful slurs made against him. Disgraceful and racial slurs. Pause, (laughs) pause, hold on. Let me stop laughing real quick. Oh my gosh. Okay, Suzanne, stop it. Make it make sense for me now. What slurs were used in reference to him? Was that just saying his name? I think that he finds racist to be a racial slur now. I think that's going to be his slogan. I don't know, Piers. I just don't care about whatever. Whatever he's doing is not relevant to me. I don't care. Especially not in Women's Hearthstone Reboot. Pretty much. Pretty much. But... Yeah, that's good and ridiculous. <laughs> Ooh, good and like ridiculous. I'm feeling pretty full. How about you? Girl, I'm comatose. I'm in food coma. She going into the itis. Got the itis. All right. Um, we're going to nap, but y'all don't sleep on this episode. And don't forget to check us out next week. Hope y'all enjoyed the meal. Take it easy, guys. <laughs> <laughs>